Welcome, dear listeners, to Art Matters, the podcast for professional artists. Art Matters is a platform to share career advice, technical wizardry, and personal experience from artist to artist. Each episode features a set of questions submitted by listeners like you, and each episode I'm joined by one dedicated, career-focused, and talented artist, and we try to answer them. I'm Isaac Wexler-Mann, the host of Art Matters. I've been a professional artist for 10 years and a full-time artist for five We've got a lot to discuss today, so let's start the show. It's a podcast about art. It's a podcast about art. It's a podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a podcast about art. Today, my guest is Katya Zvereva. Katya is a Russian-born artist currently living and working in L.A., Katya is a printmaker, a painter, and a sculptor, sometimes all at once. So I met Katya in grad school, and we spent a number of years getting into trouble in New York together. She's a terrific artist and a terrific thinker. Uh, We had a lovely conversation. Here she is. All right. So I'm joined uh, today by Katya Zvereva. Katya, thanks for joining me on Art Matters. Hello, Isaac. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Lazy Sunday. Good day to podcast. What about you? Uh, sunshine in Los Angeles, and uh, the forecast is pretty nice. Mm. I'm excited to go for a walk after our podcast. Wow. I bet our listeners can tell immediately who lives in Detroit <laughs> and who lives in L.A. Just from our conversation. Yeah, L.A. is pretty nice. Detroit has its moments. <laughs> but I bet in Detroit you work more than I'm in Los Angeles because Los Angeles always is like, hey, come on, let's go play ball. You pl- you've been playing a lot of a ball in L.A.? A lot of ball? No, no, but it's my dream. <laughs> the dream to one day play ball in L.A. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can play ball in Detroit, but... Mostly, yeah. You just paint and complain about the weather. I see. (laughs) Anyway, Katya, I think we should get to some questions. You feel like answering some questions? Of course. Every day, all day. All day, every day. All right, we're going to start with a doozy. This is a uh, very common question that many people ask all the time. Katya, how can artists find representation? What do you think? Uh, from my personal experience or from the idea of finding a gallery presentation? I think for the benefit of this podcast, everything should be based on your own personal experience. You don't have to try and speak for everyone or all experiences. Listeners just want to hear what you think. Okay, so my history of finding a gallery presentation started from the school. My first gallery that invited me for the shows was the Untitled Space. Okay. And uh, Indira, the curator and the creator of Untitled Space, she found me on my second year of the grad school and she invited, she started inviting me for the group shows, Hmm. like more and more. And then later she uh, offered me a solo show. Okay. And uh, that led to signed with her to be one of her artists of the gallery. Mm. Then later, 
it led me to the another gallery that was uh it's a it's a pretty big gallery in london mm -hmm. uh it's called house of fine art and they sure. found me through the friend and instagram in the same time okay because i was publishing my artworks on instagram and uh my friend showed my artworks through the Instagram to the gallery and they DM'd me and they said, Hey Katya, do you want to have uh, like participation in our sh upcoming show in Los Angeles? Because mm -hmm. um, we're very interested in working with you. That's and, a good DM to get. Yes. And it also is like connected with the, uh, my solo show within title space because uh, I had a lot of publications because of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, not a lot, but quite enough to make uh, other galleries looking at who I am and stuff like this. And then, what do you mean publications? Explain that a little bit. Uh, it's when the gallery is uh, give, like giving you the opportunities to have the interviews with magazines and okay, websites. Cool. And uh, it's very necessary thing to kind of like spread the word. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because a lot of galleries, they are investing into the PR of the artists. And right. uh, this particular interviews and everything, it's a necessary PR for, the, for everybody. So I think PR is very important. Hmm. And if you're able as an artist to invest in your own PR, you should do it. That's a great point. Do you have any suggestions for how artists can improve their own PR? I mean... Yeah, you have to hire a, a, a PR company, mm. especially if you have a, a big show coming up. Like, technically, you have a solo show that is going to come up in two months or months or something mm -hmm. like that. So in this point, you need to go and find uh, a PR company that is working with artists that wouldn't be too expensive because the PR, it, like... The PR jobs they vary from two point five thousand uh, to four thousand or mm -hmm. six thousand. It depends what what kind of PR they're giving you, but it is worth it to invest in it because you invest in PR company who are spreading more information about you. Yeah, and then in this way you're bringing more people and more collectors and more clients to get to see your artworks. Can I ask, uh, I want to jump to another question here, although we can continue to dig into this one because I can tell you have a wealth of knowledge on it. Um, but how important is representation? How important is the gallery? You just explained to me how artists can basically do their own PR if they have a little extra money in their pocket. Yes and no. Like if you want to be in the game with the serious artists, mm -hmm. you do have to have a, a certain gallery representation, but with very particular art galleries for like if you want to be like on the wave or some kind, sure. or like with like with the musicians, basically, you need to sign with a very particular labels so they will promote you. As their as their artists, so more listeners will come and more 
things will come out of this and more views and stuff like this. The same thing with artists. If you're, if you're working as an artist and if it's your business, you mm -hmm. do have to have, you do have to play a certain game and mm -hmm. to get a certain representation and to know certain people that will help you to move your career for, for, forward. But in the same time, you can do it all by yourself. You're just not going to get to the same game area. That's what I think. Interesting. Let's go back for a second then. So you, it sounds like you credited grad school and Instagram for facilitating those shows, both the early ones and then the, the with the gallery that you're working with now. Plus, I think you said your friend uh, invited you too. Do you think that those are common ways in? I mean, is that, do you think without grad school and Instagram, you would have had a harder time getting noticed? Would you recommend to younger artists to do one or the other? No, I also have like, that's only two examples of how I get the gallery presentation because uh, with this, I also was showing my stuff with the galleries with whom I wasn't signed. Like mm. the group shows that I was part of and the younger galleries who were just like, I had my very good friend, Paul, who started, like who started his gallery like six years ago. And I was part of his group shows and we met at the party. Mm. And uh, I like I was partying a lot in New York at some point. And uh, I was always telling everybody that I'm an artist. Hmm. Hi, Katya. I'm an artist. Got it. This stuff. So a lot of people, they knew that I was an artist. So they were interested in seeing what I'm doing. And I was showing them all the time what I'm doing. Got and it. Uh, basically, you're in a party and people are asking you, hey, what's up? What are you doing? And I'm, oh, I'm an artist, and I'm showing them the pictures on my phone, what I'm doing. So, And mm -hmm. they're like, oh, that's interesting. Can I come visit your studio? So mm -hmm. you, set, you set up the studio uh, meeting or something like that, and they're like, okay, so I have this friends, and they, they can introduce you to this people. It's like it's a typical networking kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But I like it that those three things together. I mean, and there are, there are more options too. Uh, but I love that those are the three that you brought up. I mean, the grad school can get some eyes on you. Uh, Instagram is in many ways good for democratizing and, and getting the word out about emerging artists. And mm -hmm. third is just being social. Well, social and having images ready on your phone, because I think that's, it's the smallest thing you can do, but it's, uh, but it's good. You have your best work on your phone. Someone's interested. At least it's there. Yeah. It's and, you, and I had a lot of times when I was like doing sales from directly from my studio, just because I met people on the party and they were right. coming and uh, they were like, they were seeing my works. They were like through the phone and they were getting interested. They was coming to my studio and they were buying the piece. Right. That, or, that works too, because when you in the beginning, when you're an emerging artist, uh, not, you don't have a big pack of the collectors. Like you do have a lot of works that are 
unsold and they're just like stocked in the studio. And the only way how you can sell them is just to come on, I'm here. <laughs> right. Look at my stuff. Right. Uh, I don't know how smart that is. And, uh, but if you work as an artist, and if, if you work only as an artist and you don't have any other source of income, mm-hmm. you have to push it forward all the time. Yeah, you don't have much of a choice. I think that's a good point. I've definitely heard of strategies where you try to, some artists try to control the amount of uh, work that leaves the studio and the work that stays in the studio. But I think mm-hmm. that that is... If you're at that point, you're already at a point of success when you have, when you feel like you have control financially over your own creative process. And I think that before that, thinking about what leaves the studio versus what doesn't leave the studio, for me, that was pretty inconsequential. It's more important to support yourself, you know, to to make what you want to make, to spend the time that you need to spend making it and... Uh, selling as often as you can, however you can. Yeah, but that it's when you're an emerging artist mm-hmm. and when you don't have like the amount of sales through the galleries because you like basically if you have a few group shows mm-hmm. and your artworks didn't sell all of them that you were expecting and stuff like this. So then you need to start finding other ways how you can promote your artworks, how you tell people that you're an artist, how you basically run around like a burned chicken around the city and try and figure out what to do. <laughs> <laughs> kind of sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But then slowly but surely you're getting more interest in your stuff. Like galleries, they are willing to invest into promoting you and they're showing mm-hmm. you things then you get more sales, then you can relax a little bit. Because in the beginning, you are your own everything. You create, you promote, you write letters, you do everything that you can to survive as an artist so that life wouldn't consume you and you wouldn't end up like doing things that you don't want to do mm. to support your artist career. Can I ask you about that? So. What about this idea that artists, visual artists, deserve agents like other creative fields? You know, the actors got their agent. Have you ever run into an artist agent? Have you thought about that? I don't know that that could be a a really beneficial system for art artists in general or for you. You ever considered an agent? Yes. I'm thinking about it right now. Okay. And uh, I do want to have an art agent, and I have a couple friends who do have art agents and how their career is working and where they have shows and who is supporting them as collectors and the collector pack and everything. And it did work a lot because of the agencies and agents with whom they're working. Hmm. And also, basically, you spread the responsibilities as well. So right. you're you're leaving for yourself more time for creative process and you give the responsibilities for networking and promoting to the person who's paid for it. I like that, but I think there's another side to it. I think that 
agents don't really, or maybe up until recently, haven't really come up in the model because we artists tend to think that those extra parts that we don't like dealing with, the gallery will take care of. You know, the gallery takes care of the the money, the PR, the um, uh, the building of the network, the building. It, the the gallery does it, the artist doesn't, but and the artist can just work in peace and happiness. But what I think is important about the agent idea is that the gallery doesn't work for the artist. You know, that that's not that's not the relationship between artist and gallery. If you're lucky, you have a uh, a friendly relationship with your gallery, but it's a business relationship where the two entities are kind of they're both going to be successful or fail, but an agent's job is to look after the well-being of the artist. And I don't think you find that that often with galleries. And I think that's why it's very important. As long as artists are okay splitting their 50% of their sales with another entity, then it should be that an agent could be involved. And I think it could improve things. Well, it depends on how much money you make from your art. Because like, if you're, if you're in a gallery and the gallery has a very great sales of your artworks, they are interested in being involved with you in multiple dimensions kind of thing. <clears throat> and they're interested in supporting you because if you're like basically making them like a um, like million dollars a year or something like that, yeah, they, they would be like, yeah. I hear you, Katya, but I think it's, but I think the stories that we hear so many times are how difficult it is to maintain a certain type of success, artistic success, consistently through your career, you know? So what happens if you are that artist, you're selling, the gallery loves working with you, but the next year you're not, you know? And that's kind of my point is, I don't understand what kind of infrastructure is in place for artists who are going to have art careers just like everybody else. They're going to have ups and downs. They're going to have the moment in the spotlight. Then they're going to have 20 years when no one gives a shit. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe agents would run the other way too, but I just don't think the galleries... um, Yeah, the galleries are necessarily always going to be there for their artists. And uh, that's oh, why no, I like ab- the ab- idea of an agent. Absolutely not. Because like, imagine they have a lot of artists like you who are hotcakes and who are not hotcakes. And they're more interested in hotcakes in this, this particular time. And right. it's impossible to maintain yourself as a hotcake constantly because to create an artwork is a very hard thing to do. Because it's not just like you... You woke up in the morning and then you're like, okay, I'm going to go and make an artwork. No, mm-hmm. you have a gigantic amount of research, thinking, reading, uh, understanding what's, what's happening around. And then based on this, you're creating a piece that is energized by, by everything what you consumed in a in, in certain mo- amount of time. Mm-hmm. So, when you buy an artwork, you're not just buying something that you put on your wall. You buy time and life of an artist who created it. 
<laughs> so it's it's the same thing like I mean it's it's complicated because the way how people are treating artists and artworks is very different from how people are treating musicians and actors uh, because of the what exactly it is how do you mean <clears throat> like the the technical aspects of the artwork what it is exactly like nobody still understands what artwork is and hmm. what's the reason for it to exist right like it's interesting how many times you were thinking about that okay i'm an artist but i'm useless like i'm not producing anything that can help people or treat cancer or feed people or anything it's I just think a it's, great painting i mean it can't cure cancer but a great painting can have the same effect as a great song right what can an actor or a musician do that a great painting can't well they they just live in a in a very different dimension because like with the i mean the the amount of people who want to be successful art, uh, like artists musicians and actors is insane like especially like where i live here everybody wants to be successful musicians or actors okay. and uh, the battle is crazy <laughs> it's like people are they would love to eat each other alive if they could but it sounds a little walking dead like uh, a little bit yeah uh, but um the outcome if you get to the point when when you're able to be a successful musician or actor and the and the amount of money that you can bring with the existence of your face mm -hmm. like uh it's crazy but it's all about like being idolized so the evolution of the humankind and civilization bring us to the point when we're we bring other people onto the pedestal of uh, gods or this kind of thing <laughs> With artists, is different because, like, for us, it's not very necessary to sell our appearance kind of thing. It is important, and it's kind of performance art, like the Dali started in 20th century and stuff like this, because he was the most popular because of his appearance and things like this. But not many artists can do this. Hmm. Because like you sit in your studio and you're like trying to create something for hours or days or months and you don't care about who will see you, that you want to show the in intelligent piece in front of the show. Interesting. So in that sense, it is, you believe it's a removal of that, uh, like a step between the audience and the creative, the art is almost one step of removal. Yes, the art removes the person. Because mm -hmm. uh, you can own a piece, but you don't own a person. I think I agree with that. I mean, I think that is how art works, but I think it works to the betterment of art. 
you know, I think that's when art really shines is when the person is removed. And I forget who put it this way, but there was a question, do you stand in front of your art or behind your art? And I think it. Uh, there's a few different ways to read that question, but I do think that in front of your art is you are making yourself visible. You are making your history, your story, your personality, you're making it visible. Or the opposite could be true and, and you're behind it and it's just that painting sitting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is important to do both things right now. But also, it depends on the art market that you're working with and stuff like this because it's all every art market in every country is slightly different and uh, everybody prefers different things and in the end if you want to leave uh, and make art as your job day job night job all the jobs in the world and if you want it to be art it's, in, it's art um you have to push yourself all the time through this, like understanding how it works, where it works, and always thinking about the people uh, with whom you are in conversation. And it's the just, artists you mean, correct? No, no, not. I'm ta not talking about artists. Like that's. I think it's a very important part that artists think that they need to have a co more conversations with the artists. Hmm. But I do think that artists needs to have more conversation with people who are not connected with art, like who are not in the field of art, who are collecting art, who just love art. Because in the end of the day, we're we're making it for ourselves and for them. I I hear you. I think it's a great point. And I also think what you said before that was interesting too, is to remember that Wherever you are, wherever you're working on art, um, if there's a good art community, I think we all run into moments where we feel like it can get a bit stagnant. You know, like there's a particular trend, a, tip, a typical kind of work that you're seeing a lot of that feels everywhere, you know, just sunken in. Mm -hmm. But to remember that art is the world over there are so many artists working today that any idea of stagnation or when you get too cynical about uh, trends, for me, that's a very optimistic point of view, which is just to think expansively that there's always something exciting going on and you just might have to shake it up a little, unhook a little. Yeah, and, and, and it's very scary to fall through the fashion of the yeah. art world sure because that's uh that's a very dangerous path because like okay there is this trends those trends and they're constantly changing and if you're trying to following them you're losing your own voice but uh, one of the very important aspects of of an artist is to create your own voice and stick to it no matter what all right katya thanks so much for answering all these questions i think it's been very informative I have one more question for you, and it's the question I like ending all of these Q&A sessions with. What's the one piece of advice you wish you'd learned as a younger artist? Any thoughts? Um, 
believe in everything that people are telling you about what our career is. It's interesting. <laughs> like even even the the most ridiculous things that you hear are truth because there is no certain path how to become a successful artist. It varies from one artist to another artist. So every ridiculous example of how the person became successful artist is a truth. That's how I feel like. <laughs> That's interesting. I like that. And uh, to create your own voice, no matter what, no matter how pressured you would feel from the society of other artists, artists around you, from the from everything what you see and hear, you do have to create your own voice, no matter what, because that's the only one reason how you didn't became a successful artist because you don't want to be somebody who is mimicking something constantly like there is a certain art market and then they have a high top artist and then there is a lot of other artists who are following their path and trying to create something that looks like something that somebody created before you and uh, it is easier way hundred percent because you know what what is successful you know what sells and you just keep doing it but mm -hmm. if you do want to become a revolutionary artist you need to sit tight and create something of your own it is very hard and the chance is very little but you do have to try no matter what <laughs> Well, Katya, I think that's all the questions I have for you. We're just going to get into the second part of the podcast now. Studio notes, studio notes, studio notes. Katya, we're moving on to studio notes. Um, anything from your recent studio experience you want to share with the listeners? Oh. I don't have a studio, like a physical studio i work at home and i literally invaded the entire house into my studio hmm. so i work everywhere where i want except bedroom because it's a, a veto on bedroom it's the place where you sleep and that's it i don't have i try not to have any artworks in the bedroom so i don't see them uh, but the rest of the house is just covered with my shit everywhere and um but i do think that studio is kind of necessary sometimes because uh then you have the travel time you have the time when you leave your house and you go into the studio and you have time for the thoughts i do agree with that and uh you you work there and it's like and you have a certain separation you have time to rest because when you leave where you work, you don't have a separation. So it can cause you, I think, brain damage or something. <laughs> <laughs> Chemical brain damage or uh, psychological? Psychological. Sure. Because you don't have a detachment from what you're doing and you look at your artworks constantly. They're staring at you and they're telling you that, ah, you're an asshole. <laughs> so you do need to have a space where you 
hide them from yourself and you can have the travel time. But if you can't afford to have a studio or if you don't want to have a studio, uh, you can do it at home if uh, nobody, like if people with whom you are at home are fine with that. But it's complicated. <laughs> it is complicated. No, but it's a good point. I think if you have the luxury of an uh, outside studio, you're right. The travel time, I love the travel time to the studio, whether you're biking or driving or whatever, um, clears the thoughts. But I do think people can last and make good work working in their homes. Uh, of course they can. But for those people, I will say one thing, consider residencies. Like, because a lot of people do this long term working where they live and it can become sustainable. Uh, you can get used to it working and living in the same space. But man, artist residencies, give yourself just a couple of weeks uh, or maybe a month in some totally different environment. It's perfect. Shakes everything up. Gets you that new context, a fresh perspective. So my studio notes, I'll keep it brief. I think now that I have perfected airbrushing with oil paint, now I think I'm going to add liquid. So for those who don't know, airbrushing, it's new for me. Airbrushing, not water-soluble paint, also new for me. And... uh the fumes from using oil paint to airbrush, they're not great. So I've been experimenting with a bunch of different types of ventilation, some good masks, a lot of fans, a lot of movement oh, of air. Th that is very important for the studio. If No matter with what you're working, you do have to have a very good ventilation and you do need to have a very good protection for your face, your eyes and everything. If you work with any type of materials that can harm you, you need to be very careful because later in years you will spend insane amount of money on doctors and you don't want to do that. So it's That's... better if you will invest in something that will protect you now than pay for your sins later. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, which is why I'm on the fence about adding liquid because it's not known for its uh, healthy side effects. So, Oh, but the drying time drops to like a day. It would be so cool. Anyway, that's... Just start eating lead paint. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to get wet, go swimming. Okay. <laughs> I think... Katya, I think that's all I got for you. Thank you so much for being on Art Matters and sharing your experience and your awesome career thus far with our listeners. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to this podcast. Well, that was my conversation with Katya Zvereva. I hope you guys found it useful or beneficial, because that's what we're here for. You can find Katya's work online at thehouseoffineart.com or on Instagram at Katya Zvereva. That's spelled K-A-T-Y-A-Z-V-E-R-E-V-A. -E -E All one word. You can find my work at isaacman.com and on Instagram at isaac.man. That's two A's and two N's. If you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts and tune in next week for another episode. If you have any art questions you want answered, 
write in to artmatterspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. That's the show. It's over now. That's the show. It's over now. Art Matters Podcast will be back next week, so tune in then for more great stuff.